Welcome to the FinTV podcast series, where we tap into the collective expertise of the world's leading supply chain, manufacturing, and digital innovators. My name is Maria Villablanca, the co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, and I'll be your host. Join us every week to hear the opinions, lessons, and general guidelines from the industry's leading minds. FinTV, insights for today's digital leaders. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of FinTV. Today, I'm joined by Andrea Martin, who is the leader of the Watson Center in Munich and member of the uh, German Parliament Commission for AI. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, thank you very much, Maria, for for having me. And um, it's it's a great pleasure to talk to you. Great. Well, you know what? Why don't, why don't we start with maybe asking you a little bit about yourself and, uh, you know, your journey so far? Yeah, sure. Um, my pleasure. So I have a passion for people and technology, and I'm happy that in my current role as the leader of the IBM Watson Center in Munich, I can live along these two passions um, because I work with a lot of people, both externally with our clients, um, now more or less virtually and not face-to-face these days, but also with a lot of internal teams across all the business units in IBM. And of course, I, I can, as a so-called IBM distinguished engineer, um, work on the content and make the content relevant for our clients. So I can bring together both passions. And those passions, probably I wouldn't have been able to formulate that when you asked me 28 years ago when I started my career at IBM. It's actually that long. Um, but I think all the time when I worked on services projects, I think I worked along and alongside the technology, but always with people, with the clients. And that's what I enjoy. So I, I was an IT specialist. I was an IT consultant later. And then I had a variety of both local and global roles within IBM, including a very exciting one when I worked with the global technical community and became the leader of this technical community for two years that basically helped me travel around the world at a time when it was still possible. Well, you know, it, what I really loved about your profile and, and, and one of the reasons why I got in touch with you, uh, you and I have been in touch for about a year now, and, uh, but uh, one of the reasons I got in touch with you is because of the fact that your profile says that you're passionate about people and technology, putting the people first, and which, which is kind of rare for someone with your background in technology, isn't it? Uh, kind of where for someone in technology to be so passionate about people because you could argue to some extent that they almost work against each other in some places, you know? Yeah, that that's true. Um, that's, that's the impression that you could get. But I think in the end, you know, if you can't make the technology work for people, then it will not work at all, right? Yeah. So right. Um, that's why I think it needs to get together. Well, you know, and it's no coincidence that you've just recently won an award, haven't you? You've won the award for Manager of the Year for 2020. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what that means for AI and robotics. Yeah, that's, that's um, true. That was, a, that was a huge honor. It was also quite interesting these days because usually they have an award ceremony where people come together to celebrate um, such awards. You, you mentioned it was the category of AI and robotics and were a couple of other categories. But these days we cannot come together. So we had to do all of that virtually. Um, that was a quite interesting experience. But for me, it means that with the, with the Watson Center in Munich, which it started as um, a center with a focus on Internet of Things, actually, that we have managed to transform it into a center where we also cover 
AI, where we cover cloud as a foundational technology, where we look at platforms, at supply chain, at security. And I think with the brilliant team that I'm happy to work with, I think that's the manifest that, that this award kind of demonstrates, that we're on the right path and that passion for people always needs to come with a passion for technology. Well, let's talk about the technology. Let's talk about uh, this, the state of AI at the moment and uh, in the industry. You know, what, what are the, uh, what, what's happening? What's the latest that's happening with AI? Where are the opportunities? Uh, what do you see the road ahead like? Yeah, so um, in, in my opinion, there's huge potential for AI in every single industry um, in, in a couple of different areas. We typically um, kind of differentiate three big areas where AI can help us. And maybe I should say that I rather like to call AI augmented intelligence because it augments the human intelligence, which goes back to people and technology once again, yeah. um, than, than artificial intelligence, because I think that should be the purpose. And that's also one of our principles that we, um, that we, we live, live with, that we say, AI should be augmenting the intelligence that we have as humans. And, and for that, I would say three big areas. The one is discovery. So AI functionality can help us discover new insights from the vast amount of data that our brains cannot actually compute mm. right, because it's just too much. Um, a second area would be decision support so that we use AI functionality to help us make sense and reason um, the data that we have so that we can take better decisions with the support of AI. And the third area is certainly the interaction so that we can better interact or optimize the interaction with our end users, with our consumers. And a typical example for that would be all the virtual assistants that you, that you know, right? Chatbots would be the simplest example and one that I would say a lot of companies start with because it's one of the easy first steps. Mm -hmm. um, and at the yeah, no, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Now I, I said at the same time, of course, we also have to think about how do we actually apply AI, right? How do we use it? And are there use cases where we don't want that AI is used um, because it's against our values or it's against our ethical standards? So I think there's always this balance to consider so that the technology is indeed used for the benefit um, of businesses, but also of society and us as people. Well, first of all, from what you've said, I really appreciate, I really like what you, um, how you highlighted the difference between artificial intelligence and augmented intelligence. Uh, clearly AI has a bit of a reputation as being something that is uh, difficult to understand, maybe difficult to implement or futuristic beyond my reach, you know. Uh, so I like the idea that, first of all, this isn't something artificial that we're just throwing into a business. This is something to augment uh, in, you know, augment instead of uh, replace uh, the work that people do. So I, I really like that. Um, so why, what is your take in terms of um, the use cases of AI. You talk about how mm -hmm. are we currently using it? What kind of use cases do you see in supply chain right now that are working well? Yeah, maybe, maybe if I may, I'd go half a step back and say, how do I see AI in general? Because yeah. what I see is that a lot of people think, you know, AI is one thing, 
that you can apply or have to apply in your particular situation. But that's not the case. For me, AI is it's like a toolbox. And it's a toolbox of different functionalities or features that you can apply. And, and those features for me fall into four categories. And the one is it's features that help us understand and take in information just the same way as we would do as humans. So understanding speech, understanding text, all the unstructured data, taking, you know, recognizing pictures, analyzing videos, maybe even recognize sounds, things mm -hmm. that are completely natural to us, but not necessarily natural to a computer. And that's also artificial intelligence functionality. That's the first area. Second area is um, reasoning, meaning it's something that we do all the time. We, we get a lot of information and we combine this information in our brains and then we draw conclusions, right? And, and that's, that's not necessarily rule-based. And that's another area where AI comes into the picture. Learning, machine learning is something that's pretty natural. That's a lot of uh, functionality that a lot of people associate with AI. And then last but not least, the interaction. So the conversational services. That's the four categories. And you can pick and choose tools and features from these categories and use them in your use case or in your situation. So that's the basis. Right? And from there, you can start and have, have use cases. And in supply chain, uh, it's sometimes really about having the right information at your fingertips. So why not, for example, also using a virtual assistant that takes mm -hmm. in all the information that is available and tells you where to look for, for information? Very simple one. Right? So, so that's something that you could, for example, use. But then also, um, when you think of supply chain or also some, some manufacturing processes, um, you can use AI to find pattern that will help you to predict better maintenance cycles, for example, right? and, and find better logistics paths, um, when to order what and send to where. That's, that's also things that you can think of where you can use the one or the other AI feature. And, you know, the amount of data that's out there seems to be getting bigger. And uh, it seems as though more machines and more, uh, you know, consumer demands and, and, you know, there's just data everywhere. Do you think that the implementation of AI will help companies sort of get competitive advantage uh, especially during complex times? Uh, I think so. And I actually, you know, in preparation for our conversation, I, I printed out a page from a, from a study that we recently did. And, and actually, I'm looking at the, at the data right now because I didn't learn the numbers by heart. <laughs> but if you look at, uh, at those companies that, that are really more advanced in using data and creating value or new insights from data, you can see that these, we call them torchbearers, that these torchbearer CEOs have a much higher impact, positive impact on their revenues and profits than those that have just started. So yes, the short answer is indeed yes. And, and, and it, you know what, and, and I'll take that further because it's not just on revenue, is it? You know, let, let, no. let's, throw, let's throw the pandemic in, you know, so bef before before COVID, and we are all probably all going to talk about a time before COVID, we were talking about digitization and, and, and digital transformation. And that was, that was something that everyone was very focused on, rightly so. 
how has that changed post-COVID or during COVID? Have you seen an acceleration of digital transformation? I, I definitely have seen an acceleration of digital transformation. While I would say for, especially for those who have not been as advanced as others on their digital journey, I think the first step that, that a lot of companies did, and we also felt that in the interaction with our clients, is how do we enable remote working? It was mm -hmm. not so much how can we get new insights from data, at least not in the first place, but it was rather how can we ensure that our employees are safe from a, from a health perspective, um, and how can we enable them to you know, contribute to our work environment, what they need to contribute to our work environment to stay up and running and, um, and survive. So that was, um, I think, what I saw in the first place before people then kind of felt, yes, okay, this is also a very good opportunity to accelerate our digital transformation because we have to. Well, and, and then I'll add, I mean, again, Let's look at the pandemic and all the chaos caused by that pandemic, all of the, you know, shops running out of toilet paper, uh, being unable to predict things because you can't predict the unpredictable. Um, but now that we're coming out of this, do you think that having the kind of digital trans, you know, technology such as AI crunching data, uh, you know, uh, helping us discover, helping us make decisions, helping us, uh, you know, interact with all of our suppliers, et cetera, do you think do you think that will help companies position themselves for a different type of world, which is post-COVID? Well, um, I think, you know, first of all, we could argue if there is a post-COVID or not, but um, that, that's just a side remark. True. Um, but I think that a lot of uh, companies have indeed found that if they use data also for the logistics and their supply chain, that they could have probably reacted better or even proactively sent the right goods to the shops, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and that they need to adopt something like this for the future. Would they, would they have been able to predict in detail that, that people would, you know, be the ones and hoard yeast well, or flour, yeah, depending exactly. on where you are. Um, I, I'm not sure it, because that's, as you said, right, it's kind of trying to predict the unpredictable, but probably you could have reacted faster to that yeah. trend because you, you um, could see the pattern in, in the data. But I think um, all that, you know, all those companies who have used, you know, pattern analysis and gaining insights from these buying patterns before, they were still surprised by the unpredictable buying pattern that, that we all showed to the one or the other extent during the first couple of days and weeks of the pandemic. So, you know, we know we're headed into, and again, I take your point, which is a very valid point that, you know, we're probably not even post COVID. We are in a during COVID moment, which again speaks to the whole volatility or complexity of the environment that we currently operate in, yes? Uh, how can AI uh, better help or, 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 you know, how can AI and robotics and all the technology that, that people are talking about help uh, with decision-making? I mean, is it, is it to understand? Is it to, you know, what are, what are the sort of examples mm -hmm. that you can possibly give of where this has helped? Yeah, I think um, 
AI can certainly help support decision making. Also, if you, even if you look a, a little bit more into the future, what we will see coming in terms of AI technologies, because um, the AI features or functionalities will become even more powerful, right? They will help us make sense of, of text, of natural language, of the pictures we see, and combine all these different kinds of data yeah. and still make sense of it. And, and basically, you can, again, compare it to how we as humans um, use information to take decisions, because we also take information from all the different sources. And it doesn't have to be structured in tables like we would see in databases, but we take unstructured data. We take, you know, something that may be set between the lines. We understand irony. Um, we, we can take in weather data and we can take text and we can use emails and reports from, from the news and look at pictures and videos and combine all this. And that's where AI can help because the, the features that understand, my category of understanding, will be able to take in all this information and then use other features that draw conclusions to say, okay, how does that make sense? And which information falls in which category? What's rather, you know, the pro of a decision, what's the con of a certain decision or option? And then help us prepare and, and kind of assess what's the possible best decision that you could make in a certain context. And, and I think that will evolve even further in, in the future. So when, when you look at, especially this, how you build arguments and come up with the pros and cons of a certain situation, it's pretty complex if it's a, if it's a you know, large amount of data that you need to draw, um, to draw conclusions and come to decisions. And that's technology that will advance further and further so that um, we can indeed come up with arguments by AI and, and help us support our decisions. Let me turn now to failures. Uh, I'll ask, and the reason I'm asking this question is because, you know, there's a study, McKinsey quotes, and I don't have the number in front of me, and, but it's 70 odd percent of digital transformation projects in businesses fail. Uh, what is needed for su the successful implementation of AI? What are the critical success factors? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if I if I make it simple, I would say there's, you know, not much more than it used to be, because when I started in my consulting career, we always talked about the triangle of process, people and tools, mm -hmm. which meant the tools or the technology alone will not make us successful. We have to embed the technology in our business processes or the IT process, you know, depending on the, the area where you apply it. Yeah. And you have to, you have to have the right skills for the people, the right roles and responsibility, so it all fits together. And basically that's still, for me at least, the foundation for what we need to do. In AI particularly, I think without a close IT and business unit collaboration, it will not work because IT has the knowledge about the technology typically, but the business units know what's the business challenge or what's the business opportunity that we want to see. That's, that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, a second, a second area is that, um, of course, you need to look at the processes because, you know, if you just add AI to a bad business process, it may be, you know, the results may become a little bit better, but it will remain a bad process. So you also have to look at what do I digitize or where do I apply AI? And I think one of the most important things is that 
we typically say there is no AI without IA. And that means there's no good AI application or is no successful AI without a proper information architecture. And that you know where your data is, that you collect the right data, that you organize it, that you start analyzing it and then infuse AI to finally modernize your, your processes. Okay. And, and do you think that companies perhaps, and we're generalizing here, but do you think companies perhaps sometimes add AI without really truly understanding it or for the sake of technology, for the sake of showing some modernization without really looking at the problem that they're trying to solve, you know, or also without looking at where, how, why this will add value. Um, yes, and I would say this is no different to um, a lot of other newer technologies. I have seen similar things with, um, with blockchain that people you know, want to apply AI or use AI or blockchain just for the sake because it's a hype at the moment. And that's certainly something that you can do when you want to experiment, but not when you really want to bring your solution into production so that it brings value. And that's something that I have seen in the past couple of years, maybe in the last two years, that a lot more companies move from this experimentation piloting phase towards really you know scale the solution for production and for real business use cases um, but you know there are still companies and and i also experienced that in in my work days um, who think oh we can just you know apply a little piece of ai or a little feature and then it will solve this and that problem and they mm -hmm. don't look at the foundation that they need for example we had a client who wanted to um, implement um, a virtual assistant in, in their help desk. And then we, we did a pilot, we got data from, from the client, and then for some surprising reason, so to say, the virtual assistant didn't yield results that they were expecting. And when we together then analyzed the data that, that we got, um, then there was, for example, a, a problem record, or rather a solution record that said problem solved um, as discussed as on the telephone. And I said, well, you know, even another human help desk agent would not be able to learn anything from this statement that yeah. the second agent has solved the problem on the telephone. Why should AI be able to learn something from it? Right? And so I think some people think it's kind of the, the secret sauce that you just yeah. have to add to the mix and then it solves a lot of problems. And it's not magic, right? There is a lot of groundwork that needs to be done. Yeah, I, I heard that yesterday at a conference, we were running a digital conference that, that the M in machine learning doesn't stand for magic, you know? So, uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and I, think, I think a lot of people fail to, fail to realize that. Uh, let, let's talk about, a little bit about the future. What does the, you know, and, and I say that smiling at you because nobody knows what the future holds, right? Especially now, you know, right. the last few months have proven anything is that we don't know what the future holds, but what kind of technology is out there that it, down the horizon that looks exciting mm -hmm. to you? You know, what, what, what can you see down the line that could be very exciting in this, in this field? Yeah. So, you know, when I look at AI, there are a couple of things that I see, um, see coming um, and I see it coming because I know that for example, also our researchers work on that. Um, so the one thing is that, as you said, right, AI needs data. AI needs data to be trained. 
I always say, just yes. like little children, they also need information so that they can learn. Same is true for AI. And um, what we work on and what our researchers, I think, across the industry work on is how can we make a, a, AI less data hungry, right? So how can we come up with AI functionality that has a high level of accuracy in their predictions and recommendations, even if they are trained on low amounts of data? So less data hunger, I would say, is one thing. The, the other thing is that we, we will see that we move from very, very narrow application use cases for AI, very specialized areas, a chatbot that then can only answer questions on a certain area, but we move to a much broader application so that we can transfer learnings that we have from one area and use them for the next area so that we can transfer some of the learning. And um, possibly also from a technology side, um, you mentioned that, right? There's more and more data that is collected by sensors, by devices in the internet. So I think we also see much more federated machine learning because we will see much more computation at the edge, right? Not in a data center, not in a central cloud, but at the edge. And, and that's another area that I would see coming. There are more, but um, I'll stop here for a second. So I like that, that the, the data at the edge that you were just talking about um, and in in supply chain at the moment, you know, what what future uses could we perhaps have not thought of uh, that could be coming down the line, you know, where that could be implemented? Yeah. It's hard for me to say what use cases have been not thought of. Um, I know, you know what I, I mean? Have one, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. No, um, I'm just kidding. So the, the one that I see is, um, for example, we have started in, in supply chain to, to use blockchain in certain contexts so yeah. that we really can, um, can pursue and, and follow through on the transactions that are made on the goods that are transported in the supply chain. But I yeah. think what we see in the future is that more technologies will kind of be added to the mix so that we much more use sensors to collect data along the supply chain how things are, you know, what's the temperature of things, what's the humidity for certain things and goods, where it's important. It's not the same importance for, for every single good. Um, so that we have much more insight in, into what happens in the supply chain. And I think we will also combine that with, um, especially if you look at, at retail, for example, and our own shopping behavior. So if you learn more and more about the consumer behavior and buying patterns, not you know predicting the unpredictable that's not what i'm talking about but the, let's say the regular or the normal buying yeah. pattern that you learn a lot more and that's where you can use ai of which goods are needed where when in which amount so that we can be much more targeted in the in the whole supply chain process from ordering to doing the point in time delivery similar to what we may have may see already in, for example, in manufacturing, but also see that in, um, in retail based on the consumer buying behavior. And that will not only bring more efficiency and also more quality in the goods, but also reduce waste a lot. And I think that's absolutely needed also for our planet. Well, you, you also said at the, you know, one of the things that you said at the beginning was 
that, you know, it's not that AI probably could have predicted COVID or predicted the unpredictable, but those companies that were already using this or further along in their digital journey uh, could react better, could react quicker. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, perhaps what you're getting at is the, the, you know, down the line, the more technology that we're using because ADA needs a, you know, data to be trained. So the more data we have, uh, the more insight we have, the quicker that decision makers can make decisions and therefore stay competitive and, and weather or maybe resi- be more resilient to any kind of uh, complexity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think so. Uh, well, you just mentioned something really interesting, which is, you know, something that's good for the planet. One of the things that keeps coming back in our research now uh, or in the conversations that we've been having with supply chain leaders throughout this pandemic is the opportunities of the pandemic, you know, obviously bearing in mind all of the damage it's done, but the opportunities that we have to redesign the supply chain processes or redesign the business models to make them more sustainable, you know, to make them more circular. Uh, how can AI help with this? Um, I, I think AI can help with this because, um, as I mentioned before, AI and basically the compute power as such is capable of digesting these huge amounts of data that we as humans just cannot. Right? Because yes. there's so much data available that our brains are, don't, just don't have the capacity of doing doing this. And also, we also don't have the um, the the ability to focus on the same thing for a very, very long time, right? It's just our human nature that we become tired. And yeah. a computer, and with that also the AI functionality, doesn't necessarily become tired. Not necessarily, it doesn't become tired. And, and that's a huge potential, I think, that we, that we figure out ways, how can, we, how can we analyze the patterns that are out there that we may not be aware of, but that we can find out with the help of AI. And that, at the same time, can then help us to to optimize supply chains, to optimize logistics, to optimize, you could say, whatever process and the way how we work and how we collaborate. So, um, you know, but but still, it it goes back to also no AI without IA. If we don't mm-hmm. have the right data to draw conclusions from, then um, you know, we will also not see the success that we expect. So it, it also all needs to come together. And, and lastly, and to finish off on a sort of a, uh, to bookend this interview with where we started, people, which is where you're passionate about. Uh, there seems to be quite a lot of great opportunities that are happening in AI, in, in, in the field of AI. Uh, how do we attract younger people, women, uh, people of diverse backgrounds, you know, to this industry? Is that something that's happening? Is that a focus? Uh, can more be done? Can you, let's talk a little bit about that. Any, I'd like your opinion on that. Yeah, um, challenging topic indeed. But yes. um, I think what what we can do, it's um, it's you know it's, it's several aspects. The one thing, as always in this discussion, is I think you need role models, right? Yes. So you need role models so that people see. And as we started off with, you know, it's people and technology to say this is not about nerds, right? Mm-hmm. This is about real people that work on real challenges and come up with real great ideas for use cases. The other thing um, I think is um, storytelling, and I mean storytelling about the valuable use cases of AI 
or in general of technology and digitalization. We have to not only talk about the technology as such, but really how it can be applied so that it brings value to society, to businesses, the economy, politics, whoever, us as persons, as individuals. And I think very, very often we really dive deep into the technology, but we don't really talk about the bigger context. And I think that's something that we need to do also to attract people um, to the field. And also tell them, you know, it's not only about the technology skills, but uh, in order to work with AI, not necessarily create the AI solution or develop the AI features, but to work with AI, um, there are a lot of soft skills required, um, communication skills, critical thinking, um, the, the confidence to take your own decisions, even though AI solutions may recommend something else. Right, so I think it's a very broad field, and not everyone needs to develop AI, but we um, at the same time, of course, also need people who apply AI and use them in their, in their businesses, and also consider what are the implications for everything around and everyone around that. So it's a really interdisciplinary field um, in, in my view, and that makes it interesting and sometimes challenging in the discussion. But, but clearly a lot of exciting things ahead, you know, so clearly there's there's a lot of innovation, a lot of really great things happening in, in, in AI and robotics and in the future, uh, which means, and I love what you said there about it's not just about nerds, uh, you know, trying to, 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 to talk about technology and deal with technological things. It's, it's really about having all those soft skills, having all that uh, uh, available. So I think you know, the, the people element is probably just as important as the technological advancements. Would you, would you agree? I would agree. And, and that's definitely something that I also maybe not learned, but where, where I focus much more on this topic through the work in the Commission for AI in the um, German Parliament. Because what, um, what I found there is, of course, you, you meet a lot of people that don't necessarily have a deep technical background, but they are um, lawyers or they, are, they have studied political science or they are sociologists or psychologists, um, economists, right? And the, the real solution only emerges then when all of them are willing and ready to engage in a dialogue and come up with a solution together. Because, you know, me as someone with an applied mathematics degree, I don't know much about sociology other than what I read because I'm interested in it. But we need their viewpoint also to think what's the impact of what we do in technology on society to see what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. How much trust do we need? How much transparency? How much explainability? Um, and, and we need this dialogue. And I think that makes it exciting that makes it interesting and that should also show people that you don't have to be the deep technical nerd so to say in quotation marks but that a lot of other fields can also contribute to this whole ai and digitalization discussion and that it's needed well andrea thank you so much for your your conversation with me on this thank you so much for joining us You've really given us a great deal of material and information, and I'm excited about the future of uh, what AI has to offer us. Yeah, me too. Thank you very much for having me, Maria. My pleasure.
And for those of you watching, we'll see you on the next episode of FinTV. Thank you.